your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Good morning with Jamie Lent, Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Uh, Dan in Dallas reports, never let the facts get in the way of a good story. Right. I'm curious, Dan, will you be joining us in Lubbock on Saturday? Or will you be with the missus at her boss's You are just big bound party? and determined to get him divorced, aren't you? No, no. I just, Do you know just, if, if Mrs. Dan in Dallas is listening? I don't know. So if he says anything bad, right. then he's gonna get then she's gonna be mad at him and he's gonna right. have a terrible day. Well, I don't want him to have a terrible day. I think Dan wants to, I think Dan knows that he is welcome here anytime mm-hmm. and, and we encourage him to show up. It's just gonna be we a big also game. understand that he has other responsibilities sure. from time to time that he has to do. Sure. No, I, I got like you. the rest of us. Right. No, I, I got Quit you. trying to get Dan Dan divorced. I'm not. I'm it's not, expensive. I'm not. It's, it's expensive. Worth every penny if you need it. But it's expensive. <laughs> Worth every penny if you need it, Jamie. But it, it's expensive. What is? Uh, getting divorced. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't want that. We don't want any of that going on. Um, hey, I heard an, and you're gonna you're gonna laugh at me, but I'd never heard this before. But it made it made sense to me as soon as they said it, because it's like one of your. I'd say one of your things that you look at, and, and probably we should all look at, but I mean, you've, you've been kind of on this train for quite some time, the, the old runners in scoring position, right? You know, how you do with runners in scoring position. That's a big stat, I think. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I, and it makes sense because, you know, baseball teams basically analyze everything, right? For the most part, they, there's a lot of analyzation that goes on. Sure. I, I mean, but, I don't think it's just baseball. All no, sports. no, it's 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 all sports. It just it it seemed like statistically, kind of growing up, it seemed like baseball was 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 heavier in that. Now you know other sports from analytics and you know measuring you know whether it's number you know free throw attempts or three point attempts or you know yards per gain or and, and all that kind of stuff. All the analytics that go with. And now you have the EPA and you know you got I mean you got tons of stuff that you got to look at. Uh, RISP was a term that I heard last night mm-hmm. for for a player. So the his RISP, his average of runners in scoring position, his RISP is this. Yeah, I think it's pretty dorky for anybody to say RISP. Okay, but that's what they said on the broadcast yeah. last night. Yeah, I had to go back and rewind that. I'm like, is he is he saying RISP? Is he saying RISP? Yeah, RISP. You're not. I mean, you're you're taught in this business to. Speak, speak so your audience knows what you're talking about. I wouldn't guess the majority of fans out there know RISP or use the term RISP. I've never heard a baseball term say RISP. Okay. I was. I, I never heard a baseball guy say RISP. Okay. Well, I, I heard it last night. Yeah. And that, that kind of is like... That's that's I, like I'm working too hard to try to sound smart. Okay. I, I, felt, I felt a little... Um, I was gonna say I felt a little undressed, but no, we're not gonna say that. I felt a little, I felt a little un, uneducated when I heard him say that. It's like, wow, okay, I've missed, I've missed that one. It made sense to me once he, once he said that. I was like, okay, well, that makes sense that you would. You yeah, would, no, you I, would I get it. it. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to figure out what they're saying, mm-hmm. but I just, 
again, I, I don't ever hear baseball people talk risp. Yeah. Maybe they're just coming up with all these new terms just to kind of make themselves feel better. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. But that's, that's, so. uh, this may or may not be a burning question for you, and it may be for some. Uh, is the roof going to be open tonight at the ballpark there in Arlington? That is a question for some. I don't know the answer to that. Um, temperatures aren't that, that hot, so mm-hmm. I would kind of think they would have it open. Yeah, these, this is a Major League Baseball decision. According to this article in the Dallas Morning News, they had... As of this writing, which was uh, 5.40 last night, uh, they had yet to make a decision on that. Um, it, a lot of it does depend on uh, the temperature and uh, humidity. Uh, humidity apparently can cause condensation to form on some of the concourses, creating slick areas. We don't want the fans to fall down and spill their beer or drop their hot dog, Jamie. Oh, that's a deciding factor. That's pretty... Cruddy. They said chief among them, humidity. Um, the, you know, Chris Young, uh, the uh, Rangers GM, said it's a Major League Baseball decision. Our stadium operations group will be in touch with the league officials. Weather will dictate most of it. Uh, during the pandemic, when they had the postseason games there in 2020, the roof was open for 13 of the 16 games. But pandemic concerns apparently played a role in that decision. Can it keep the air circulating, I guess? Okay. So that we wouldn't breathe on each other. Yeah, I would, um, I would hope that it would be open. Um, the Rangers general guideline has been a threshold of less than 85 degrees for opening the roof. Um, doesn't necessarily mean 85 degrees at game time. It takes some time to cool down the stadium. So if temperatures exceed that during the day, it can make the decision more difficult. Uh, the weather forecast in Arlington calls for temperatures uh, today in the 3 to 5 p.m. hours. Uh, to be 83 to 85, uh, it's going to drop into the mid-70s. The Rangers have played 11 games this year with the roof open, none since May the 21st, 7-4 and four in those games, 3-2 and two when the uh, roof was open in night games. Now, as far as your starting pitcher today, Nathan Nivaldi, he made a pair of starts with the roof open, allowed nine runs in 10 innings, according to the Dallas Morning News. That's an ERA of 8.10. That's not good. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Uh, he said, when asked if he had a preference, I don't know. Not really. Maybe he didn't know these numbers. Probably have it closed. It's not up to me. As long as we get to go and play and be back at home and have our fans support us, it's going to be fun. He said the right thing there. But uh, apparently the the ball carries better when the roof is open. So, I mean, look at the Rangers' offense. Um, you know, maybe they would want it open, mm-hmm. you know, because they've, they've done yep. that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Somebody asked how many games at Globe Life. It was uh, 11, 11. They're seven and four. Uh, Dan in Dallas also says uh, Evan Grant was also concerned about condensation on the grass, making it slick, the artificial surface there. So... I don't know. I guess the humidity can, you know, play a factor there. So, who's, who knows? My my guess is it'll be close. Probably so. My guess is it'll be close. Yeah. Uh, because of the because of the temperature and and things 
things along those lines. I mean, I think the Astros have had a huge advantage um, with their with their home field in the postseason over the years, just because it allows it to get so loud in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I mean, I guess if you're a Rangers fan, you have the same opportunity. Um, with your fan, your fans to get uh, pretty excited and get loud and make that a tough place to play. Um, so the Astros will play this afternoon. We'll have it for you at two thirty-five. They take on the the Twins in uh, in Minneapolis, and uh, you know, as far as the Astros are concerned, that's uh, a series is level at a at a game apiece. Uh, they will go with Sonny Gray uh, today. He's kind of bounced around all over the place. I think he played for the. A's. Didn't he play for the Yankees a little bit too? A's and and Reds, um, and then you know he went from from Oakland to New York and was terrible. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight and eight, a two seventy nine earned run average, but a lot of strikeouts, one hundred and eighty three on the season. Um, and uh, Houston will throw Christian Javier. He's uh, ten and five with a 456 earned run average. If I said Sonny Gray for the Astros, I meant Sonny Gray for the Twins. Yeah, Twins. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they they will go today. We'll have it for you at uh, 235 on 100.7 the score. And Javier is a right-hander for the Astros. Balls and strikes just after 3 today on 100.7 the score. And then the Rangers tonight at 6:30 after Tech Talk, which is from 3 till 6. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. All right, so just so you know, it's homecoming week, right? Okay, Okay, I did not know that. Homecoming on Saturday. Uh, Today, I think this... That means the extended halftime show, right? No, I, I think the halftime uh, show will be the same same length of time. I'm making a joke at every yeah. high school broadcast right. I've heard that they've played a homecoming. And we get the extended halftime show. The again. extended halftime shows where you get the key. We get out of the course. I don't know how I'm going to talk for 28 minutes. I wonder if they'll let the um, cars drive on the on the new track over at uh, Lowry Field. Or do they just have the mommies and daddies and girls... Just walk on it. Remember in the past, in the past, they'd, they'd drive the fancy convertibles and they'd mm-hmm. drive them around there, and they'd, mm-hmm. they'd all give the kind of the queen wave, and they'd stop there and the fifty yard line. They'd get out and they'd you know walk to the middle of the field. Uh, so anyway, today is uh, this sounds like something you would enjoy, Jamie. Make your own photo mug. That'll be at ten thirty this morning. You've got time after our show over at the Student Union indoor courtyard. Okay. Make your own photo mug. What's he going to use the mug for? Um, in my life, I'd I've never it, seen him use a mug. I'd give it to my wife. Yeah. She, she drinks coffee. She drinks coffee. That, that way the students uh, could know who her hubby is. Oh, it doesn't have to be a picture of me, though. Okay. It could be a dog. could be Winfield. Yeah. could be... Yeah, know, I wouldn't give Yankee. her a picture of myself. You would not? No. Okay. Okay. We don't want to break the mug. <laughs> that, that's more up your alley than mine. <laughs> sure. Uh, tomorrow is the uh, S.O. Sing. Jamie, the student organization sing. That'll be tomorrow night at the arena. And, and then on Thursday, I have always wanted to go to this, but I have not. I mean, I'm not a student. I'm guessing that this is, it says here on this release from Texas Tech, all events are free to the public. All, all evening events are free to the public. This is not an evening event. The Tamale Fest, uh, Thursday at 10 a.m. I love a good tamale. It's at the, in between media and communications and architecture. Okay. 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 So you got you got that, and of course, uh, competitions that will take place all week long. Spirit Board, which is the Broadway entrance 
and 18th, and then the Spirit Banner in the Sub Courtyard Student Union Building. Sub Student Union Building. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's that's some news and notes on that. All right, some uh, some news and notes with regard to um, Texas Tech football. Uh, your performer on Saturday, and I had to look him up. He's a R and B singer, but Louis the Singer will be your Raider Alley performer. Louis the Singer. Have you heard of him? I have not. I I hadn't either, but I'm I'm told that the young people know who he is. Oh, I'm sure they do. Okay, so. Uh, that's good. The young people know who he is. Um, with regard to player availability, uh, Charlie Robinson will be back. He broke an ankle uh, back in uh, back in the fall camp, I believe. Jordan Brown, who uh, been dealing with a hip problem, the, the receiver, he is going to be back. Day to day is uh, includes uh, Bryce Ramirez and Mason Tharp. Uh, with regard to Cole Spencer, they're going to see how his foot is. They have it in a cast more out of protection and comfort than anything else. And then Jacob Rodriguez, um, Coach McGuire, at, he said, likely next week when they play uh, BYU, but he also went on to say that they want him to be 100% when he comes back. And the reason for that is, he still has a redshirt year. And so he said with with regard to him, he, they feel like he's a next-level player. Um, and they want to make – he said, we're going to sit down with him. I'm going to sit down with his parents. But I want him to be 100% when he comes back. So if he didn't have a redshirt year, um, then you might look at him and go 85 to 90%. Mm-hmm. But he said he's the kind of guy that – I mean, like next year, he could have a big year – and then be off to the NFL. He said, so, you know, the redshirt year in some ways doesn't necessarily really matter. And I'm not I'm not sure what Mason Tharp is dealing with. I'm not sure what his injury is. But remember, he left he left during the Houston game. He's limping. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's a hammy, if it's a you know calf or or ankle or what, but I I remember uh, you know Chris Lovell saying on the broadcast that that he had gone to the locker room and um, did not did not come back. So um, that's a couple of notes notes who he is. Uh, this from Bullfighter. Guess I'm no longer considered young because I had no idea who he was. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you're up this early too. I mean, Bullfighter. Uh, so it's not something that you're. I that all the young kids are like going to be up tuned into us, you know, sitting around the radio. Probably not. You know, waiting for class to begin. Uh, interesting because the two starting quarterbacks and the guys that played almost exclusively, played the whole way, Donovan Smith and Adrian Martinez, no longer with their respective teams. Donovan, of course, off to Houston, and Martinez is done at K-State. Uh, but the, the problem last year was Kansas State's rushing. They rushed the ball 39 times for 343 yards. The Red Raiders 34 times for 114. You had 26 first downs to their 15. Um, you ran 82 offensive plays to their 58. But they got in the red zone six times and scored touchdowns all six times. And won 37 to... 
It doesn't make sense. They got they. I'm sorry. They had red zone scoring chances six times. They they scored all six times. They had some field goals because they won right. 37 to 28. Right. Um, you know, and they did not run the ball on. They did not go for it on fourth down. We were one of three. Um, and Kansas State had six sacks in the ball game. But clearly, the running game is what they're known for. And Coach McGuire said it's going to be a war up front between the offense and defensive mm-hmm. lines. Yeah, and they were just not great running the football this past weekend, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this past weekend was – it just felt like Kansas State was not what we've come to expect from Kansas State, what you saw on Friday night, meeting mm-hmm. themselves, poor decisions, uh, turning the ball over, just didn't look like the Kansas State that we have seen so many times before. And uh, just called me nervous or put me in the category of uh, nervous that they're going to um, – get back to being themselves, you know, mm-hmm. a week after playing poorly against Oklahoma State. Uh, Luckily d- for us, it's the Red Raiders coming up next. He, he does feel like that the two strengths are going after each other, you know, from your defensive line versus their offensive line. And then the way that your offensive line has been performing in terms of running the football, you've had a lot of success here lately. So they're hope- hopeful that they can run the ball against Kansas State. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Good morning with Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Uh, this would uh, qualify for a, a tidbit at 8.15, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now because it leads right into what Coach McGuire is going to talk about in running the football. Uh, the Red Raiders have now won two straight Big 12 games. They beat Houston and Baylor. And they did it throwing for less than 200 yards. Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to take a stab at the last time you did that? Uh, in the Spike Dykes era. Yeah, 1999. Uh, Texas Tech beat Colorado and Baylor, and that was Spike's last season. Uh, Joey McGuire yesterday was asked about his running game and was asked about running the ball no matter what the box, the defense that they face in front of them right now. I think it's uh, making an emphasis on what a good box is versus just an absolute, hey, you're fixing to bang your head into the wall type box. I mean, we all know on third and short, fourth and short, sometimes you just say, hey, look, I'm going to bang my head in here, you know, and try to get the tough yards. But, you know, on normal downs, first and second down, uh, I think that we're being a more aggressive team in the run against – you know, boxes that we might have checked out of. I thought uh, Barron did a really good job of understanding, you know, the game the other night. There were some that, he, you know, he said, hey, I normally would have checked out of this, but I felt like we were still in decent shape to run the football the way we were running the football. I think that's interesting just from the standpoint of, you know, there have been times where you felt like, I guess, where you just, I don't know, I don't want to use the word scared to run the ball or maybe tentative to run the ball, but now you have confidence in your line, you have confidence in your back. And so when when you do things like that, when you kind of when you still run the ball and you have some success, then that forces the defense to play you even a little bit more honest. Yeah, maybe so. So um I don't know if that was too inside for some people, you know, when he starts talking about the box sure. and all that kind of stuff. Um Basically, what Coach McGuire is saying there, even when teams are putting um, more guys close to the line of scrimmage, where they're clearly saying, we're here to stop the run. Mm -hmm. We're trying to force you to pass. 
And what he was saying about Barron was Barron could see the numbers, see the way the defense was aligned, and see that it said, eh, we should be passing the football here because of where they were lined up. But Barron was saying, I don't care what the defense is doing. Right now we're running the football really well, and Taj Brooks has, has got it going, and this offensive line has got it going. So I'm not going to let the de- the defense dictate what we do. We're going to do what we do best and so that's what I think the team has gotten to a little bit where maybe they were overly obsessed with seeing what the defense was doing and then saying hey they're they're playing us to force us to pass so we're going to pass the ball here instead of worrying about the defense you're saying hey we're on offense we're going to do what we do we have confidence in our run game so they can play us for the run and we're still going to run and we're yeah. still going to have success so i think the coaching staff and um you know obviously he complimented baron more baron as well there uh i think they've come to and that goes back to you know figuring out who you are and what you do best and don't let the defense dictate what you're going to do and mm-hmm. I, I think that's what um you saw them do in the Baylor game i don't care how many guys they put near the line of scrimmage uh, to try to force you to pass the football, you were just having so much success that you're like, you can put them all up there. I don't care. We're going to still run the ball yeah. down your throat, and we're still going to do it with success. So uh, I think that's great that we've seen that change over the last couple of weeks. And and see that change maybe in, in Baron Morton to be able to have that in his own mind. I'm like, hey, I don't have to throw it on every down. We've got this big back here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to utilize him. We're going to take advantage of the offensive line. Uh, that we have, Coach McGuire then talked about the offensive line, the run blocking, and the run and the running back running more. You know, the offensive line right now, um, they have a, a really, you know, they have they have a lot of confidence in in our run game um, and and what we're doing uh, schematically. You know, Taj and Cameron have a lot of confidence in what they're doing, and so. I think that we're being more aggressive in the run in some of the boxes we normally check out of. I think one thing, the next part of that, that I think will definitely show up in some games is when people do try to stop us uh, in some of those boxes of us being able to go play action or some kind of RPO, you know, to take advantage of some of the stuff of they're doing. If they're playing their safeties real hard and fast, you know, how we could take advantage of that. Yeah, and try to get the ball in some of your receivers, try to get the ball in the hands of, sure. you know, whether it's Dre McCray, talked about him a little bit, um, you know, Bradley, trying to get him jump-started. I, I don't think they were – how did you feel about the, the pass interference call on Bradley in the Baylor game? Did you feel like that I was – I thought it was really ticky-tack. Okay, yeah. I, I think that was the we, general mood I, that we I, got from, from I, the coaches yesterday. I felt like we never saw a good angle of it. Mm-hmm. I needed to see an angle from the side. But <clears> the <throat> angle that we got, it looked like two guys made contact at the line of scrimmage. One was off balance and uh, the, being the defensive back and the receiver, <laughs> you know, helped him fall forward. I, I just, man, especially right there at the line of scrimmage, there's one thing if the ball's in the air mm-hmm. and that contact's being made to knock the guy down 15 yards down the field. But, you know, that's him trying to jam um, Bradley at the line of scrimmage. Bradley gets his hands off of him and he's, you know, he's off balance and, and goes down. I just thought that was a terrible call. Really did. The the only thing that I that that, that struck me when I saw that play, uh, and I think I saw that play happen live, but I was watching on my phone. Um, 
it looked like his arms were extended, and I thought maybe that's what. Yeah, but, but it's not. It. It's not pass interference. I don't know how it can be called pass interference. Pass interference is when the ball's in the air. Yeah. Okay. Was the ball in the air then? I don't think so. No. Okay. So when a defensive back at the line of scrimmage jams a wide receiver, you know what that means, right? You just kind of give him a pop mm-hmm. to try to right, right immediately mm-hmm. to try to, to to keep him from getting on his route, right? Does he extend his arms to do that? No. Yes, he does. Well, okay, defensive back. He pops well, him in the shoulder sure, pads. Defensive, defensive, yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 That's exactly what Jared Bradley did there. Okay, both guys were doing mm-hmm. it. That's exactly what he did there. But, I mean, he he attempted to do that, hit his shoulders, and then pull them towards him. Right. Uh, and to me, that's not pass interference. I, if you got a different rule for it, I don't know. Um, but it that's not pass interference. Yeah. I, I don't know I, what you want to call it. And if if they claim that he grabbed the jersey and I couldn't really tell, um, someone said he did. So I'll, I'll believe if, then it's I don't know offensive holding. Mm-hmm. But how is it? I don't understand how that's pass interference. Yeah. At, at any rate, it was your biggest pass play of the year uh, that comes back. Yeah. It's, which is which is crazy when you think about it and think about you know your um, kind of your mo your mm-hmm. your culture. Uh, as an offense. You haven't had any success throwing deep this year. I know. Like it, it's right. not even just that that one play. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even really feel like you've taken a bunch of shots at it either. Man, that catch that Jordan made in the West, uh, West Virginia game on the sideline was pretty special. It was pretty special. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a deep throw. Yeah. Deeper. Uh, somebody says this. It looked like he pulled the jersey downward in one of the angles. Okay. See, I didn't see that angle. If, if he's got a hold of his jersey, then you can call something. I don't know that it's pass interference, but, I mean, right there at the line of scrimmage, again, that, that defensive back, is his job is to pop him real quick to knock him off his route, and it feels like the offensive player should have the same opportunity to pop back. You know, yeah. the, the, the one thing for all of this— I wonder if the guy just slipped— yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but well, if he's got a hold they... of his jersey, you could see how he could pull him down. Yeah. If he's got a hold of his jersey. And again, I, I never really saw that. So he says, that was my thought, offensive holding, if anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, at any rate, I mean, obviously, you know, you're, if your quarterback has confidence, your running back has confidence, your offensive line has confidence to run the ball, man, that's, that's awesome that everybody's kind of feeling that, kind of feeling it. And uh, now if you can get some, Confidence throwing the ball that'd be that'd be that'd be good too. Sure does make you wonder if we'd figured that out earlier. Sure, of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. I think we all even even if you just figured it out one game earlier in the Big Twelve, you'd be three and zero in the Big Twelve, and you'd have beaten West Virginia because really, you're deep. Really, one half earlier because you figured it out at halftime. Sure, in the West yeah, Virginia right. game. Yeah, just maybe a few <laughs> yeah. plays earlier. Right, no, no doubt. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's Question of the Day on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3. Okay, so I have a question involving Big 12 football here. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to tell me who the most disappointing team in the conference is this year. <laughs> can can you know, I think two weeks ago I'd have said us, but I don't think I can say that today. I wouldn't say it today, yeah. and I think you're absolutely right. Two weeks ago, I think you're in the conversation. Yeah, I think there's some good candidates for this. Okay, let me uh, let me get to the old standings here because I mean, 
anymore you got to go okay i got to remember all the teams that are in this thing um and don't buy when i say disappointing i don't, I don't mean like oh man i really wanted them to be good sure. okay, no, i don't <laughs> okay. i mean like who's surprisingly bad <sighs> who's not nearly as good as you thought they were going to be you know i think it's it, i think it's somewhat unfair at least from my my perspective because i just haven't i haven't done enough research on them to know if I should be disappointed in UCF at being three and three after, you know, three non-conference wins, now still looking for their first Big Twelve, Houston, I, I'm I'm pleasantly pleased that they're zero and two and two and three. I mean, that's just kind of who they are. I, I think I think I saw this coming, but I I'm not sure that I saw it coming this early. But I, I think the team that's the most disappointing so far, especially coming off of a national championship appearance, is TCU. We know they lost a lot. We know they lost a lot, mm-hmm. including their quarterback and a lot of their a lot of their offense. But for them to be one and two, and three and three, I think they would have to say, um, "It's us." Okay, I think I got to look at Baylor. Owen two at home in Big Twelve play. They had the horrible loss to begin the year at home, mm-hmm. like. You always hear you got to win your home games and you try to sneak some on the road. Losing one home game, losing losing to Texas State was embarrassing. L- losing other home games, you know, you kind of look at it like, okay, well, maybe. Uh, losing to us, you know, for us, that was really good, you know, because we got the win. But if I was a Baylor fan, I'm scratching heads and, and starting to get the tar warmed up and some feathers going uh, with the <laughs> CM3 home losses this year. The, the tar, the tar warmed up going. like he's got it, like he's got it in the fridge, just just ready to put it in the microwave to get it get it going. Usually, that requires a big pot and a fire, though, to really get the tar gotcha. really warmed up. Yeah, right, right. I don't think you can put that in the microwave. Okay, it might explode. Probably yeah, you can do microwave. Yeah, put the little thingy over it. I mean, you look at Iowa, look at TCU. I mean, they lost to the bottom two teams of the Big 12, at least what you thought was going to be going in in West Virginia and Iowa State. Jamie, your thought? Yeah, the Baylor answer is an interesting one. It wasn't one that initially meant that uh, I had in my mind, but you're right, because I think I had them like four, five, six in that area, and it looks like it's not going to get any better for Baylor. They're one in four at home. That's, one and four. That's crazy. At home. That's crazy. At home. Gosh. The, the Baylor line is not really. All, offensive well. or defense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the freshman Baylor yeah. line, too. I, I expected UCF uh, to finish in the top eight of the Big 12 Conference. And I think, it, it, going back to how bad it's been for Baylor, I mean, them blowing that game at Baylor, or at home against Baylor, I should say. I, obviously, just because of the the comeback or whatever, but I thought mm-hmm. UCF would handle them easily, and for three quarters they did. And and then their effort this weekend just looked like they had packed it in. I feel like UCF is the biggest disappointment to me, but I'm going to tell you, Kansas State is right behind them. I expected Kansas State to be one of the top two teams in the Big 12 Conference. I expected Kansas State, who was, weren't they top 10 to start the year? Or maybe top 15, okay? Top, yeah. Okay? I expected Kansas State to be a team that um, 
you know, would would make a run, give themselves a shot, maybe mm-hmm. to be in the conversation for the football college football playoff. I didn't think they would get there, but I thought Kansas State was going to be a really good team. And I mean, you've seen in their two losses, uh, it, it's not what we've seen from Kansas State before. They've they've made stu- dumb decisions and they've you know they beat themselves. And so Kansas State's a big disappointment to me as well. But for me, UCF, because I thought I thought UCF was going to be a good football team. I really did. Okay. I, I thought they would be top half of the big, so top eight at the very least, but probably higher in the Big 12 Conference. Okay. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I think when it's all said and done, I don't think West Virginia and Iowa State are going to be anywhere near the top four or five in this league. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, you say that, look at West Virginia's schedule. They've got Oklahoma, and then it, I don't want to say Costas. It, it coasts the rest of the way, but they may be really, really good. Nope. According to their schedule, they might. I'm. I am not believing it. I mean, I'm not believing it either. We'll. We'll. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just saying that there's a chance. I. I think they've been pretty fortunate in winning two low-scoring close games. I just. <clears throat> I don't think that will continue. You didn't uh, have any comment about my uh, TCU pick. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't expect them to lose at home to the mm-hmm. two teams that they. Iowa State. That was on the road, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't expect them to lose to Iowa State or uh, to West Virginia. No, no doubt about it. But I didn't think they were going to be great. I thought they would be middle of the pack in the conference. Okay. okay. Uh, they just see. lost so much. Uh, somebody, I, I, Plus, they have baby Bryles on their staff, so okay. it just feels like it's going to bring a curse. Okay, well, so, so far it's not really worked out for them. And, and, and yeah, they played three quarterbacks last week, so it's nice to see that they've had to deal with backup quarterbacks and injured quarterbacks, mm-hmm. whereas last year it all worked out for them. Although, Technically, the guy that they had that was leading the charge for him was their backup quarterback because the yeah. starter got hurt in the first game. Uh, my question is, how does Baylor get eight home games? That's crazy. But you're like you said, they're one and four. It hasn't really worked out for them. I guess they scheduled a bunch of the non-conference. Yeah, yeah, they had well, all three of their non-conference games were were home games this year: Texas State, Utah, and LIU. So, well, there's your answer. Yeah. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Good morning with Jamie Lent and Jeff McGuire and Chuck Hines. This from the Yates Flooring Center chat line. How about the play by former tech signee Michael Harris II last night for Atlanta? Makes the catch, throws the ball into the infield. Wildly, I mean, they were able to. <laughs> Austin Riley was able to come up with it, and he had just homered in the bottom of the eighth uh, to to put Atlanta up five to four. And then he rifles it to first base, and they double off a Bryce Harper. I, for whatever reason, I just don't like the Phillies. So I, I was rooting for the Braves last night. I was rooting hard for the Braves last night. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for the Braves in that series. Um, Question. So. Uh, you know, you, you had mentioned uh, earlier about Michael Harris, uh, the second, uh, being a tech signee. Man, kind of, I mean, we they've done a really good job of picking guys, Coach Tadlock and his staff, and, and getting guys to commit. Unfortunately, the major leaguers have 
come after them with a little bit more money than what what you had. It happens, but yeah, I mean, you want to keep going after those guys Mm because you know some of them fall through the cracks and decide they want to play college baseball, and um, and then you know if you don't if you don't ever sign them, you're never going to end up with one of them. So sure, yeah. Do you think? Do you think as this name, image, and likeness kind of continues to grow, go forward, and I'll, I'll use the word mature, and by that I mean kind of just whether it settles down a little bit or you kind of get into kind of a, a, a routine about it and it it kind of permeates other sports, particularly baseball, because I think that's the next sport that really kind of have a chance to get it to maybe explode a little bit, that that will – lessen the number of guys that would opt to go play minor league baseball versus going to a Texas Tech just because the facilities are better, travels a little bit better, competition is extremely high. You can clearly get from here to there because you've, you've got a track record of doing that here especially. Yeah, I think that's probably the case, but it's I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, Chuck, and I say that because – it's going to be the schools that, you know, are willing to pay big money for college baseball players. They're going to have the huge advantage, and that's not going to be everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be everybody. And so it might just give – I mean, you look at LSU last year. I mean, they were loaded with guys that they were – that they paid to come away from other schools. So is that good for college baseball? Is that good for really college sports in general and at any level? <laughs> Okay, but at least in football and basketball, it seems like all the Power Five schools, everybody's, you know, you're you're paying a bunch of players, or they're getting paid. The schools not, but they're getting a bunch of NIL deals across the board in basketball and football. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not necessarily the case in baseball. Yeah, at least at this. So at the, this if stage. you're one of those major programs that the uh, you know, the administration and the fan base, whatever, the boosters are are pushing to line up money for NIL deals for your baseball program, mm-hmm. then you are going to see those teams rise to the top. Or probably they're the ones that are already there now. They're going to stay at the top. So you're going to see LSU, you know, trade out their players every year. There are new guys coming in that are superstars. Okay, new guys that are coming in, new superstar every year, you know, three or four of them. Okay, it's not going to be, you know, guys that are there for three years before they get drafted or whatever. You can, that's that's the way it's going to be. And for schools that aren't spending a ton of money on NIL for their baseball players, they're going to be at a disadvantage. And get maybe left behind. Yeah. Are you are you fearful that that could happen here? Um. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I, I would say yeah. Um, I I would you know I love that that um, the collective has put together a deal for our baseball players to get I think what's ten grand each player uh, now because you know again the, most of those guys that ten grand can help pay for tuition <laughs> tuition yeah. yeah they're giving it which all you back. don't you know which football and basketball players don't have to worry about um so that i think that's a great added bonus or whatever um for those guys but i i just think you know and, I, and i'm sure that tim tadlock is all and his staff they're all for helping their players uh to get what they can get but i don't think 
Tim Tadlock's trying to woo players here by how much they can pay him. Mm-hmm. I, it's just that just doesn't seem like his mo. You know, if you want to come be a Red Raider and you want to come play for this program and you want to play for this coaching staff and you want to be a part of what you, you know, what we think is a great program, then and you fit, man, we want you on board and we'll do everything we can for you. Um, and maybe along the way, you earn yourself some NIL money when you're here. But I can't imagine they're looking at guys in the transfer portal and they're going to people and going, hey, get $50,000 so we can convince this guy to come play for us. Just, I could be totally wrong on that. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. 8.20 this morning here uh, on the morning drive. Kobe writes in, I had no opinion on the Phillies until I was at one of the World Series games last year and met the nicest Phillies fan ever. He even bought me a beer. Now I root for them when I see them. That's cool. Wow, Kobe, you're easily bought. (laughs) Yeah, but he was a a nice guy. Hot, kettle. (laughs) See, that's... Wasn't there a BYU conversation a year, like a week ago we had about how long it would take? This is exactly why when I'm in an opposing stadium Mm -hmm. or if I'm even in our stadium whatever and i see and i come across an opposing fan Mm -hmm. i want to be as polite as possible to them because you know there's always that people have an opinion based on one person they meet. i always thank people for coming thank you for being here one one person they meet okay Mm -hmm. like oh man the fans in waco are horrible but you just walked by one guy who bumped you right you know or whatever sure or gave you a dirty look or whatever but the rest of them can be great and so that's why like in my mind i'm like I'm going to say, I'm going to wear my tech shirt and I'm going to say something nice to somebody or I'm going to be polite sure. because I, I don't want them to say, be able to say, every tech fan I ever met was a jerk. Right. Okay. No, I, think I don't I want think them. That's, so, I think that's great. Like, I feel like I mm-hmm. almost in some ways am more polite and nicer to opposing fans than I am ours at times. Yeah. <laughs> Just no, I, because I, think... I want to leave a, a, a positive impression on on our university. With yeah. Them. No, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in an opposing stadium or arena and somebody would say hey thanks for being here or uh you know travel safe or all those kinds of things you know just glad you're here you know all that kind of stuff so i've tried to reciprocate that uh when i see you know opposing fans in our in our place uh, uh, because because sometimes you meet sometimes they're a townie they're just they're they went to tarleton or they went to houston and they're they live here and they support the red raiders you know maybe every game but the game against their alma mater or whatever and you know, I just want to be be supportive of them. I don't go overboard. I'm not having no, a long conversation saying, with them. Well, I know that, but I mean, yeah. for you, a long conversation is glad you're here. Hi, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. can, I mean, I'm going to have a, you know, I'm probably a little bit more of an extended. You'll be able to write their eulogy when you get done talking to them. <laughs> well, I mean, I do become a little. Curious, inquisitive. Right? You look to be entered into their will before you. Yeah, I just, I just get a little, just get a little. Cur- I'm trying to remember a recent conversation I had with somebody, and I learned a lot about them really quickly. And I, was, I thought about, I thought about you, and I'm like, wow, this would be w- way north of where anybody else would be. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy, uh, enjoy talking to people. Enjoy meeting people. I've heard. I enjoy. I enjoy the backstory. It's the rumor out there. I enjoy the backstory. You know, kind of. How did How did you get here? You know what? What car. brought you here? You in know, a car, the game. Yeah. No, but I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. All those, all those kinds of things. Uh, I want to get. Mo- we'll get more into this as the the week goes on. But I thought something that Tim DeRuiter said yesterday just struck me 
because Steve Linton had one of his best games for the Red Raiders this past year, this past weekend, right? Had three sacks. I mean, just did a real... Tim Reuter said yesterday that he's been dinged up and that he broke his hand this summer. So you just wonder, and he had a lower body injury, he had the ankle injury that they talked about, you know, and having to get him in the pool and get him. But, you know, if you're a, a guy that's playing on the edge and using your hands, you just wonder how much did that affect him early on in the season that we just, we didn't know about. Not that we needed to know, but he revealed that yesterday. I just thought that was very interesting. Hmm. Played well, no doubt. He played well. This has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.